Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest is my friend, Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Church, California. I am delighted to welcome my friend, Greg Laurie, to the program. Thank you, Greg, for joining us. Jay John, it's great to be with you, and I'm still appreciative of the very special gift you gave me. I don't know if everyone can see this. It's a die-cast yellow submarine made in the 60s that you located for me and gave me last time you were out, and it's got the Beatles in here somewhere. It there they does. are there. Yes. There's and some I... Beatles embedded. There's, there's some Beatles right there. That's me doing a <laughs> Beatles accent, Jay John. Well, the Beatles, and we've got two of us here. We just don't know which ones, do we? So anyway, I love it, Greg. Be no, you. because I know that you love the Beatles. Um, I, I I've been over with Killy a couple of times uh, to your wonderful church, and I wanted to get you at something original, and I had to bid yes. for that at an auction. Wow. <laughs> I appreciate li- it. <laughs> but listen, Greg, uh, my wife Killy and I, we love you and Kathy. And um, just delighted we can have this conversation and tell a little bit more about your story. Um, I want to focus on two of your books. And it's kind of like um, I almost need to introduce them both at the same time. Um, I love this because it's the story of your life, Lost Boy, and the Jesus Revolution uh, because yeah. it's the film of your life. So in some ways, we've got to kind of have both out at the moment. But growing up, Greg, I mean, you've got a, a wonderful photo on the front of your mother and uh, yourself, but it was a very dysfunctional upbringing. Tell us about that. Well, my mother uh, was raised in Arkansas, And she was strikingly beautiful. As you can see from that photograph, uh, she was a dead ringer from Marilyn Monroe. And she knew it. And she was a man magnet. And uh, so she found herself married and divorced seven times with a lot of boyfriends in between. She was a raging alcoholic. So one night she had a fling uh, in Long Beach, California with some guy from Canada she met. And uh, she became pregnant. And so she quickly married another man uh, who put his name on my birth certificate. So I was not planned by my mom or anybody else, but my life was planned by God, right? So uh, I was conceived out of wedlock. And I didn't even discover this little fact that this man on my birth certificate was not my biological father until much later. It was actually after Kathy and I got married and we just celebrated 50 years together. And, and we had our first son, Christopher, and I took him to meet his grandfather. And I told my mom I was going to take him over to meet this man whose name was Kim. And when I met Kim and talked with him, I hadn't seen this guy forever. And I said, this is your grandson. And I looked at the way he reacted to my son, his grandson. And I afterwards, I said to an aunt, I said, I don't think that man is my biological father. He would not react that way if he was to his grandson. Then my aunt said, how did you know? And I said, I did it. And then she told me that it had been a farce and he wasn't my father at all. So, yeah, so this is, you know, kind of the crazy life I was brought into. And it was sort of like just her, her 
tumultuous life, drinking and hanging out in bars late at night and driving home drunk and passing out every night. So I had to grow up really quickly, J. John, because I had to take care of my mother. In some ways, I was the more responsible person in the relationship because I had to make sure she got to bed at night and sometimes she didn't come home at night at all. So that's just kind of a snapshot of my childhood. Yes. So in many ways, you were a bit like a carer for your mother in many ways and a support to her. And there's this little boy, hence the title, uh, Lost Boy. Um, Now, we're kind of intermixing between these two books because The Jesus Revolution, which is an incredible movie. Now, I know, uh, Greg, you am I right? You've been involved in the making of six movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But this one was about you and your wife, Kathy. Now, just yes. tell us about how did that come about? Yeah. Well, uh, the other films I've been involved with are all documentary films. Uh, the most recent one was Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Before that, Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon. But uh, but the lost, or the, excuse me, the Jesus Revolution films, a feature film. Kelsey Grammer plays the role of Pastor Chuck Smith. Jonathan Rumi, best known for playing the role of Jesus in The Chosen, plays the role of hippie evangelist uh, Lonnie Frisbee. Joel Courtney uh, plays the role of Greg, and a young lady named Anna Grace Barlow plays the role of Kathy. So it all started when a filmmaker, John Irwin, came to me. Now, John directed um, American Underdog. I can only imagine, I still believe, he's a great director. He came to me with a copy of a Time magazine that had the psychedelic image of Jesus on the cover. Jesus Revolution was the title of the article. In fact, I just did an interview with Time magazine, and we talked about this particular cover. So this is a cover that came out in the 70s, and and it was really a reflection of a spiritual awakening that was happening in America. Interestingly, a few years earlier, Time Magazine had another cover, rather ominous, black with reversed out red letters that asked the question, is God dead? So between that cover and Jesus' revolution, something happened. And what happened was a spiritual awakening in America. It came to the UK as well, went around the world. And so uh, Time Magazine, I think, very astutely observed the fact that it was a revolution. You know, we called it the Jesus movement, but... Time Magazine understood this is like a revolution. And that was a very big word, as you may recall, in the 60s, or talking about political revolution, sexual revolution, drug revolution. Well, God sent a Jesus revolution. And so John Irwin, the director, comes to me with this cover of Time and says, listen, I heard you were around at this time. I said, yes, I was a young man. That's when I came to faith. He said, tell me your story. So I told him everything I knew about my life, other people's lives, what took place. So he came back a few months later with a screenplay. And I was pretty surprised to find that he had built it around my life. I didn't know he was going to do that. It's a story of young Greg, uh, you know, growing up with his alcoholic mother. Then he meets Kathy. So it's a love story. But it's also the story of Pastor Chuck Smith, who had a very smallish church, and Lonnie Frisbee, this hippie evangelist, and how the two came together, and it was like nitro met glycerin, or to use a Beatles reference, Lennon met McCartney, right? It was an explosive thing Absolutely. between two people 
And so Lonnie kind of brought the young people into the church, and that's how the Jesus movement began in Southern California. So this movie, and it's gone international. It has a theatrical release in India, uh, in Latin America, uh, Ireland. Uh, It's amazing. It's going all around the world. And now it's on streaming platforms in here in, in America. And, and it's reached literally millions of people. And, and I think what's exciting about it, uh, Jay John, and as an evangelist, I know you appreciate this. As I said to John Irwin, look, I want to have a moment in the film when Greg accepts Christ, that we put a prayer in there that he prays that a person in the theater could pray if they too wanted to accept Jesus. And John agreed. And we've heard story after story of people coming to Christ. Someone just commented on my social media, my uh, mother saw Jesus' revolution and gave her life to Jesus and died a few weeks later. So, you know, we're thankful because that lady is in heaven. Well, isn't that incredible, Greg? And it's how wonderful that the director enabled you uh, to help craft uh, the script. So, okay, we start with a lost boy and that lost boy is a broken boy. But yeah. so how did you discover the Lord? Yes, well, as a young boy growing up, I don't know why, but I had this fascination with Jesus. I lived for a time with my grandparents, and they had a portrait of Christ hanging on the wall of their front room. And I would often just sit there as a little kid and look at it and think about him and wonder about him. And I was all alone. And when I was, I would go to bed at night, I'd pull the covers over my head. And I had this imaginary character I created named Mr. Nobody. And I would tell Mr. Nobody my troubles and my problems and what I was dealing with. And so I was on a search very early in life, I think even more than a typical young person, because I had to grow up so fast. I saw the alcoholic life of my mom, and I didn't want that life, but I made some bad decisions too in my uh, youth and my teen years. I got into drugs because, you know, coming back to the Beatles, uh, they and a lot of these other rock musicians were telling us to you know, turn on. The Beatles went from, I want to hold your hand to, I'd love to turn you on. And so we're taking drugs in an attempt to discover truth. And of course, I was at Dead End Street. There was no answers there. And so I was kind of coming to life through a process of elimination. I, I knew the answer was not in the how alcoholic, sometimes affluent life of my mother. I knew the life, the answer was not in the drug-taking free love culture I was growing up in as a kid. So through process of elimination, I thought those are not the answers. Where is the answer? So on my high school campus, there was a group of very outspoken Christians that would pray and have Bible studies at lunchtime. And uh, they would sing songs about God. In fact, I transferred to this campus and my friends warned me, my druggy friends, Greg, be careful. There's a lot of Jesus freaks on this campus. And I said, direct quote, the last thing you'll ever see is Greg Laurie becoming a Jesus freak. Famous last words. Famous last words. Yeah. I'm walking across my high school campus and there's this group of young people singing songs about Jesus. And so I sat down, J. John, long enough to, or close enough to kind of eavesdrop in their conversation, but not so close that people would think I was in the group as one of them. And I was kind of watching them and thinking they're crazy. These people are out of their minds. And 
But then I had to say, well, they do seem happy. I have to admit they're happy and I'm not happy. And then uh, I then I tried a new thought on first sights. What if it's all true? What if Christians really have this relationship with Christ? And I thought, that's ridiculous. There's no way that could be true. It came back to me, but what if it is true? It isn't true. I quickly dismissed it because I was pretty cynical because of the life I'd lived up to that point. So this young man stands up. He's not a student. He's this visiting preacher named Lonnie Frisbee. He has shoulder-length hair, a beard. He kind of looks like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and I- he starts preaching. And I, I was, who is this guy? And I was so moved by what he said. And it was one statement when he said, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. It hit me like a lightning bolt. And right there, I believed it was true. And he gave an invitation, like you do, Jay John, for people yes. to come to Christ. And some kids got up and walked forward. This is on the front lawn of a high school campus. A last thing I thought I would ever do is to walk forward and pray some prayer. Next thing I knew, there I was praying that prayer. And that's the day Christ came into my life. Well, what's so lovely about your encounter with Jesus, you then start listening more to Pastor Chuck Smith and, and, and uh, others. And then uh, you, you're a very creative person, quite artistic. And then you go home and you just basically illustrate what he's been teaching and you show him what you've illustrated. And he was so yeah. moved by it, he got them all printed. Yeah. Here's a little copy of what my little first drawing looked like that I did, this little booklet with these little cartoons in it. And, uh, you know, that I sort of illustrated the gospel. So uh, I draw my whole life. I love to draw. And so I was in class in high school still, and the assignment was draw a cartoon strip. Well, I drew cartoon strips all the time. It was the easiest thing for me. But that Sunday, I heard Pastor Chuck preach from John 4 about the woman at the well, where Jesus says, if you drink of the water I give, you'll never thirst again. If you drink of the water I give, it'll well up inside of you and be living water. So that became the title of my little booklet, Living Water. And so I drew it, and I, I don't know, I just found out where Chuck Smith lived, <laughs> knocked on his front door. Hello, Pastor Chuck. My name is Greg Laurie. I attend your church. And I, I drew this little cartoon and he looked at it and he says, could you redraw it in this shape, in this format with these measurements? And I went and did it and he printed it and we, we went through them quickly, maybe 10,000. Then he printed 100,000 and those were given away quickly. When it was all said and done, well over a million of those were distributed all around. But this was kind of my first foray into communicating my faith. Yes. And I was very excited about it. And it's something started kind of happening inside of me where I realized that God had called me to communicate the gospel, but not just through drawings, but also through speaking. And, and I was still doing my art and, and trying to do other little art projects that would reach people, but I found myself wanting to connect personally with people. I was out on the streets sharing my faith. So one thing sort of led to another. Absolutely. Well, uh, the Jesus Revolution and your own encounter with Jesus was part of the spiritual awakening, a revival. Uh, are there signs, Greg, of that sort of thing happening today? Yeah, great question. Um, I once was having lunch with Pastor Chuck and I asked him, 
Chuck, do you think we'll ever see another Jesus movement? And his response was, I don't know if we're desperate enough. Yeah. But that was a number of years ago. And as I look at what's going on in not only our country, but your country sure. and around the world, I think we're getting desperate. I think we're seeing how dark and evil things really are and how that which is wrong is celebrated as right and that which is right is described as wrong. It's just as scripture says, woe to those that call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. That's what we have happening today. But I see interesting things happening in this young generation, Generation Z. And, and you see that I read recently they have a really strong interest in Jesus. Well, that's our message, J. John. Yes. You know, even in this movie where it's shown in theaters, we've heard stories of, of people coming to Christ. In one instance, the theater, the projector stopped working in the middle of a theater. A young woman stood up, turned to the crowd and said, does anyone here need prayer? Someone says, I do. Another says, I do. They're praying for them. And then she said, have you heard the gospel? And she starts proclaiming the gospel. And a couple of people accepted the Lord in a movie theater. Incredible. In another instance, we heard about um, kids watching this movie and baptizing people in the fountain outside of the movie theater. So the answer to your question is, I see promising signs. Uh, from those early days, Greg, you were 20 preaching. You've been preaching uh, for 50 years. And, uh, you know, I know, for example, you have two sons, uh, one on earth who pastors with you and one in heaven. And right. that was a tragic car accident where he lost his life. Uh, we live in this world, Greg, of miracle and mystery. How did you and your wife, Kathy, navigate through that pain of losing your son so early in his life? Yes. Well, my son Christopher was 33 years old when he died in that automobile accident. He was married. He had one daughter named Stella. And he had another on the way, little Lucy. And, uh, you know... You just never mentally prepare for an event like that. And when it happened, I felt like my world had ended. Uh, when I heard the news, I just collapsed. I, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. Because, um, you know, you think, well, you're a pastor. You, you're the one with the answers. Well, when it was all said and done, I was a father who lost my son. And, and it, it was the worst day of my life. Uh, but I went up to my office, which was above my garage then, and I fell down on my knees and I just surrendered it to God. Like Job, I said, Lord, you gave him to me and you've taken him. And I, I praise your name. And, uh, and, you know, I felt God's presence with me. Someone once asked me, when did you feel God's presence the most in your life? And I have to say it was that moment, the worst moment, the lowest moment of my life is when I sensed God was with me, and I knew somehow I would get through it. You know, when you lose a child, you never get over it. So just a little note, if you know someone who's lost a child, don't ask them, are you over it yet? They'll never get over it, but you can get through it. Now, we have a choice in life. We can, can become better or bitter. Mm. We, you know, we can be angry at God, or we can just somehow entrust it to God. 
And so Chuck Smith said something to me that was really important. We were sitting on the front step of my house the day I found out. And Chuck said to me, Greg, never trade what you do know for what you don't know. And I thought that was a great word. So here's what I don't know or don't understand. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why Christopher was taken from us at such a young age. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. But here's what I do know. I know God loves me. I know God loves Christopher. I know Christopher is in heaven. I know that I'll be reunited with him one day. I know one day all of my questions will be answered. So that's what I know. So instead of living in the space of what I don't know, why did this happen? I could have done something. I should have been there. That These are unanswerable questions. So I just sort of turned away from those things and I pivoted back to what I do know. And and this is where I am today. I, we still miss him desperately. We're getting ready to, to mark 15 years since he went to be with the Lord, July 24th. And it's always a very hard day. But, you know, I know that he's not just a part of my past. He's also a part of my future. So, you know, it's been said, if you preach to hurting people, you'll never lack for an audience. Yes. So this is part of my story now, Jay John. And I, I never know. wanted it to be part of my story, but I try to use it as a tool to help other people who are dealing with pain and loss. Absolutely, Greg. And I hope you don't mind me asking you that, but I just wanted you, oh. because Killy and I just so admire you and Kathy for pressing through, persevering, and, um, and that was so helpful, what you, you just said. Greg, um, you've got to that biblical age of three score years and 10. So go on, Greg. What about this next decade? Well, I just want to, you know, I want to finish well, right? And I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. And so, you know, Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is later for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me that day and not to me only, but to all who love his appearing. By the way, that passage from Timothy is on the tombstone of my son. His race was shorter than mine, but he finished his race and I finished and I want to finish mine well. So yes. I, my health is good. My strength is good. Um, I have gone from acid rock to acid reflux, but, um, you know, I, but I just, I, I get up every morning and I say, Lord, this is, I give you this day and I want to honor you and glorify you. We're getting ready to do a crusade. We've been doing these crusades here in California and around the country for over 30 years. So we're going to have one on July 1 and 2 at a place called the Honda Center Amazing. in Anaheim, California. We're still looking for creative ways to use film and other mediums to get the gospel out there. Believe it or not, I'm actually working on a little animated cartoon right now as well Excellent. of my character, gospel to young people. So I think the key is keep moving forward and, and don't live in the past. So basically, I don't live in the past. I'm barely in the present because I'm always thinking about the future. So I'm looking for new ways to honor the Lord and to take advantage of the days he gives me. And if he gives me 10 more years or 15 or 20 more, that's up to God. But, but, but I want to make every day count because, you know, we should live every day as though it were the last day because one day it will be. 
Absolutely, Greg. And honestly, that's what I love about you. Now, we can't have, we've got two evangelists who are having a conversation. We've got two uh, obstetricians um, who love <laughs> introducing people to Jesus. So, Greg, yes. this, this conversation is broadcast globally on TV, on radio, through social media. If there is anyone who's tuned in and hasn't yet encountered Jesus, uh, what would you say to them? And would you give them an opportunity to do that while we're speaking now? If you would like Jesus Christ to come into your life, if you would like him to forgive you of your sin, if you would like to know that you'll go to heaven when you die, then you can just pray this prayer after me. And uh, I'll just lead it now. Just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now, Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sin. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Be my friend. Be my Lord. Be my God. I turn to you now. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen. And Lord, we pray for every person that's prayed that prayer. Yes. We pray that they would know the truth and the reality of the prayer that they have prayed. We pray Amen. that they would know your forgiveness, your cleansing, your healing. We pray that they would know the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we pray yeah. that you would protect them and help them to build their lives on you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, can I encourage you to do two things? One, would you read what are called the Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the life and the teaching of Jesus. Can I encourage you to start reading those? And secondly, can you look for a local church that you can start going to, where you can grow with other believers in your faith? God bless you. Greg, honestly, loved having you on the program. Killy and I love you and Kathy. And uh, Thank we you. We love you too. We hope it won't be long before we're breaking bread together. But listen, thank you for joining us. And uh, God bless you and Kathy. And uh, particularly in this next decade. Bye-bye, my friend. Thank you. God bless you too. I so love my friend Greg Laurie. I hope that's inspired you, his story, and get to see that movie, The Jesus Revolution. Encourage others to go and see it. It really is a moving story, and it will help others in their journey of faith. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again. One doctor developed the world's first vaccine, one civil rights activist helped to end racial segregation in the USA. 
one botanist developed new farming practices supporting impoverished farmers. One former slave escorted 300 others to freedom. One watchmaker saved the lives of 800 Jews and refugees during World War II. One politician persisted to see slavery legally abolished in the UK. Faith, love, generosity, sacrifice, perseverance. Heroes of the Faith, the new coffee table book by J. John. Available now at canonjjohn.com. <laughs>